0: Sigurd Ragnarsson, otherwise known as Sigurd's snake in the eye, was a legendary Viking warrior and Danish king. Many Scandinavian kings trace their ancestry to Sigurd, using his mother's ancestry to try and claim divine descent from Odin. First, let's look at his forebears. Sigurd's father was the legendary warrior and king Ragnar Lothbrok, but his mythical and magical blood would come from his mother Aosloeg, who was a sorceress and a seer. Sigurd's name would tie into the deeds of his grandfather on his mother's side. Oslo's father was also called Sigurd and would become a legend all across Scandinavia and the Germanic regions by slaying the dragon Fafnir by lying in a pit and stabbing it in the heart from underneath it. One of Sigurd's snake-in-the-eye's most daring expeditions was when he went to avenge his father Ragnar, he and his brothers would kill King Ella of Northumbria and ravage the land, becoming the rulers of the north for a time. Sigurd would end up marrying King Ella's daughter Blaedja, and they would soon have a son called Harthcanute. His descendants would later become the kings of Denmark. They included Gorm the Old, Harold Bluetooth, Swain Forkbeard, and Canute the Great, who were arguably most influential and powerful kings in the North Sea. In the Gesta de Norum it states, no foe would attack Sigurd when he was king and he had no enemies, suggesting a time of peace once he inherited Ragnar's empire. This would convey that he died due to natural causes and not in war. This is why there is no record of his death. Sigurd's legacy is one of mysticism, however he would also be the ancestor of many kings, who would later take the land of England for themselves, completing what the Ragnarsons and the Great Heathen Army could never finish. According to the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok and his sons, Sigurd Snake in the Eye married Blaedja, the daughter of King Ella of Northumbria. Although Sigurd and his brothers had killed King Ella, in perhaps one of the most savage methods possible, by the ritualistic sacrifice of the Blood Eagle. It was common for the daughters of fallen kings to marry their father's killer during this time. Sigurd and Blaedja would have a son named Canute. He succeeded his father in Zealand, Scania, and Halland, and is now remembered to history as Harthacnute I. The saga of Ragnar and his sons link him genetically to Sigurd's snake in the eye claiming that Harthacnut was his son. Virtually nothing is known about the rule of Harthacnut, with his rule being shrouded in mystery. There is much speculation regarding his reign though. After the Great Heathen Army had taken control of Northumbria, its first Viking king would emerge, being Hafden Ragnarsson. However, he would soon die after trying to reclaim his kingship in Dublin, This would start a trend of Viking kings reigning in the north and being killed shortly after. The 9th and 10th century period was one of political instability, with the ancient royal houses of Northumbria being wiped from the face of the earth, and now the most powerful Viking warlords at the time would proclaim themselves as kings of those lands. In the year 2011 in Lancashire, a collection of over 200 pieces of silver jewellery and coins were discovered, now known as the Silverdale Hoard. Many of the coins bore the name Canute, an anglicised or romanised version of the name Hearthknut. The hoard dates to the early 10th century, but the style was similar to coins of other Viking kings of Northumbria. The coin could relate to an otherwise unknown Northumbrian Viking king, or it could relate to the legendary Harthacnut of Denmark. It's not inconceivable that the same person could have ruled both in Northumbria and in Denmark, especially when the person in question is Harthacnut, whose mother was Blaegja, the daughter of the last legitimate Saxon king, who was not a puppet king to the Vikings. Since Harthacnut was left lands by his father Sigurd Snake-in-the-Eye, this could confirm that he ruled both in Denmark and in Northumbria. Regardless, not much is known of Harthacnut's life, which adds to his semi-legendary status as a king. According to the tale of Ragnar and his sons, Harthacnut would have a son called Gorm. He governed all the lands of Ragnar's sons while they were away at war. Gorm Knutson was described as the biggest of men and the strongest, and the most impressive in every respect, but he wasn't as wise as his forebears had been. When Harthacnut died, Gorm would ascend to the throne, and would become the king of Denmark in the year 936, so his father Harthacnut would have died that year, or a few years before. Thus, The line of Ragnar Lothbrok and Sigurd Snake-in-the-Eye was still going strong, with them being the kings of Denmark and, perhaps, Northumbria. However, Harthacnut's reign remains one of mystery, shrouded in uncertainty. Gorm's early life remains veiled in historical obscurity. Born around the year 900 AD or just before, his ascent to the throne was not without challenges as the Viking Age was marked by fierce rivalries and power struggle among chieftains and petty kings. Nevertheless, Gorm managed to consolidate his rule, becoming the first historically recognised King of Denmark. Due to this, his house would be named the House of Gorm, later known as the Yelling dynasty. According to the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok and his sons, Gorm took the kingship after his father Harthacnut. He married Tura, the daughter of Harald Clack, who was a king in Jutland. But when Harald died, Gorm took all of his realm under his rule. King Gorm went with his host over to Jutland, and abolished all the petty kings as far south as the river, and thus seized most of Wendland. He also put to the sword all those who opposed him, as was the Viking way. And he also fought great battles against the Saxons and became a mighty king. Gorm was reported to have four sons. The eldest was called Canute. He was described as a very handsome man, and Gorm loved him above any other, and so did all the people. He was also called the Love of the Danes. His second son was called Harold, now remembered to history as Harold Bluetooth. His third son was Strutt-Harald, the Jarl of Scania, who was the father of Thorkell the Tall, and his fourth son was Toke Gormson, a Danish warlord. Gorm would also have a daughter named Gunhild, a reputed sorcerer, and she is now remembered to history as the mother of kings. According to the Gesta de Norum, Gorm's soul was ever hostile to religion. He tried to wipe out the Christian religion in his lands, as they were the most abominable of men. He would torture Christian priests and demolish their chapels in order for the old gods to show themselves once more. When Gorm's wife, Tura, died, he raised three yelling stones in memory of his wife. They are massive carved runestones found at the town of Yelling in Denmark. The stone reads, King Gorm made this monument in memory of Tura, his wife. Denmark's adornment. According to the tale of Ragnar Lothbrok and his sons, towards the end of Gorm's life, a Danish army went to England, and the leaders of the army were his two eldest sons, Canute and Harald. They seized large parts of the kingdom in Northumbria, which Ivar the Boneless had once ruled. The king of Northumbria at the time marched against them, and the sons of Gorm would go to war against the ancient kingdom of Northumbria, and a great many Danes fell. Later during the war, Canute and Harold fought a great unnamed battle and emerged victorious. They then marched south to York, and the whole populace accepted their rule. However, one day, Canute and Harold went bathing in the sea due to the weather being very hot. As Gorm's sons were swimming between the ships, some men rushed down from the land and shot arrows at them. Canute was mortally wounded, they would then take his body and carry it out to the ship. This emboldened the Northumbrians to attack Harald and the remainder of the men, and they would escape back to Denmark. According to the Gesta Denorum, Gorm had now reached the extremity of his days, having been blind for many years, and had prolonged his old age. His priority was the welfare of his sons. However, Gorm would soon receive the tidings of his eldest son's death, and when he heard the news, he collapsed from his grief and died the following day. Gorm died in the year 964 and is now remembered to history as Gorm the Old. When Harald ascended the Danish throne, it was a transitional time at the height of the Viking Age. King Harald Bluetooth, would leave his mark on the world by abandoning the gods of old and his forefathers. This is his story. Harold Bluetooth was born in around the year 910, and was the son of Gorm the Old, whose grandfather was rumoured to be Sigurd Snake in the Eye, a semi-legendary warrior and king. His father in turn was Ragnar Lothbrok, the legendary Viking king and raider. So Harald came from legendary and noble blood, who were all pagan to the core. Ragnar's wife Olslo was even believed to be a sorceress, so not only noble, but strong pagan blood ran through Harald's veins. His father Gorm was also a fierce follower of Odin and the old gods. So strong were his beliefs. That he invaded Friesland in the year 934 and demolished many Christian churches in the process. Harold also had an older brother named Canute, also known as the Love of the Danes. and was the heir to the throne. However, he was killed while on a raid in Britain, leaving Harald as next in line to the throne. His father Gorm would die after he heard of his beloved son's death. Thus, in one foul swoop, Harald was now unexpectedly the King of Denmark. Harald would continue his father Gorm's work in unifying Denmark under one rule, and in this he was very successful already being battle-hardened by his raids and adventures in Dublin and other lands. He would also strengthen the fortifications of his kingdom and build numerous ring forts. To everyone, everything seemed well. The kingdom was expanding, great defensive structures were being built, but Harold's mind was opening up to an idea that would change the very nature of all of his subjects. Harold would begin supporting a new policy of the toleration of Christians. He allowed Christians to spread the Gospel in Jutland. Thus, he allowed and supported the spread of Christianity throughout his kingdom. Harold Bluetooth was converted when a cleric by the name of Popper was asked by Harold to prove his faith. Popper then in front of Harold and many other pagans, would carry a heavy iron heated with fire without being burned. After this miracle, Harald would denounce the old gods, and worship Christ. Harold's new religion was of paramount importance to him, and he soon dug up the body of his father Gorm the Old, which was placed in a pagan burial mound. He placed his skeleton in a church, but he still left the hill where Gorm had originally been laid to rest as a memorial. He would then create more yelling stones, which were runic inscriptions celebrating his father's conquest of Denmark. They also showed his own celebration of his conversion of Danes to Christianity. Nevertheless, Harald was always keen on war. The expansion of his empire needed to continue, and he needed powerful allies. In the years 964 to 963, he came to the help of Richard the Fearless of Normandy. Harald would also help his nephews reclaim territories in Norway from King Hakon the Good. Harald Bluetooth's nephew was Harald Greycloak, and he was the son of his sister Gunhild, and they would fight many battles together against King Hakon. The last of them was the Battle of Fidjar in the year 961, where the sons of Eric Bloodaxe and Gunhild, who were Harold Greycloak and his brothers, attacked Hakon the Good and killed him. Harald Bluetooth wanted the Norwegians to accept the sons of Erik Bloodaxe as the kings of Norway, as they were his blood. Harald Bluetooth's Christian nephews would now become the kings of Norway. Unfortunately, they were heavy-handed in spreading their faith, and would break up pagan sacrifices and make life very difficult for the heathens. This made a significant unrest in the kingdom, Harold Greycloak would soon stop asking his uncle Harold Bluetooth for words of wisdom. King Harold Bluetooth was angry, as he helped in the taking of their kingdom, and was now out of the fold. So he formed an alliance with the young Hakon the Powerful, who had a blood feud with Greycloak. Hakon soon organised an assassination plot, and Harold Bluetooth signed it off. Greycloak was lured into Denmark under the guise of negotiation and peace, but was murdered upon his arrival. With his death, King Harald Bluetooth won power back over Norway, and he supported Hakon the Powerful as its vassal ruler. So Harald was a serious political player who rarely made mistakes, as he was still alive, and his rule and influence was bigger than ever. Now ruling over Denmark and Norway, managing to force Norway into subjugation through political plots, and not caring if his own blood died. However, in some Norse sagas, the Swedish prince Strybjorn the Strong, the man who took over the fabled order of the Vikings, forced King Harald Bluetooth into submission. This resulted in Harald giving Strybjorn his fleet and his daughter. When Strybjorn went to Sweden to claim the throne from his uncle, Harald broke his oath and fled. Strybjorn the Strong is described as uncontrollable and wild, a savage warrior who took over the Joms Vikings easily and began to command their forces, which was never done again and had never been done before. He allegedly ended up being defeated through sorcery in battle. Thus, Harald Bluetooth and the Joms Vikings were released from his grip. Harold would also attack Saxony in the year 973, and the Holy Emperor Otto II would counter-attack, conquering large parts of Jutland. Harold would only regain the territory in the year 983, when Otto was defeated by the Saracens. So as well as triumphs, Harold also endured his share of defeats. In the Joms Viking saga, It conveys the conflict between Harald Bluetooth and his son Swain. It states that Harald would send Swain to be fostered at Jomsborg by the Joms Vikings. Harald would also give his son Swain ships to go raiding, but Swain simply added his father's men to his own personal army, that he would later use to usurp Harald. Father and son would soon go to war against one another. A battle on the water would soon commence, but it had no clear victor, and in the evening, both armies would anchor their ships at the bottom of the creek. Palnatoke, the chief of the Joms Vikings and Swain's foster father, arrived at the battle with 24 ships. Palnatoke would soon go ashore alone, taking his bow and quiver. Night had already fallen, and it was dark, and in the distance, Palnatoke saw a fire in the forest and made a detour towards it. Recognising that it was King Harald trying to keep warm, he put an arrow in him, and King Harald would die then and there. King Harald Bluetooth was the first King of Denmark to receive baptism and spread the word of God. Since the monarchs of Denmark were now Christian and had abandoned the old gods and the gods of their ancestors, the people in their kingdom would soon follow. As the years passed, the gods of old would fade from this world, no longer being worshipped, and their practices would diminish. Thus, the start of the death of the old Norse gods had begun, all due to the miracle that Harald had witnessed. Thousands of years of spiritualism, sacrifice, and other pagan beliefs would soon be forgotten and would become persecuted. One of history's most successful but forgotten kings was Swain Forkbeard, the first Viking king of England. Most people have only heard of his son Canute the Great, who is now famous for forging the North Sea Empire, and the legend of him commanding the waves of the tide. But Swain Forkbeard was the man who made everything possible for Canute. Much like Alexander the Great and his father Philip of Macedon, Swain gave his son the blueprint to be powerful and to be later known as the Great. But who was this legendary and largely forgotten king? First, let's look into his ancestry and early life. Swain was descended from one of the greatest bloodlines in Viking history, with his father being Harold Bluetooth. Thus, his ancestor was Sigurd Snake in the Eye, the son of Ragnar Lothbrok. Swain was born on the 17th of April, in the year 963. His father Harold would abandon the gods of old, and was the first of the Scandinavian kings to be baptised. Not much is known about Swain's childhood, but we can assume he had one of the best upbringings possible, and due to events later in his life, it is evident that he was tutored in the art of warfare, and how to use the sword and axe. According to the Jomsvikings saga, Swain was raised at Jomsborg alongside the Jomsvikings and his foster father was the chief at the time called Paunatok. The Jomsvikings were a famous order of Viking mercenaries. Swain's appearance in historical records are rather brutal. According to medieval writers, Swain revolted against his own father, King Harold Bluetooth. In Snorri Sturluson's Chronicle of the Kings of Norway, Swain is said to have asked Harold for a part of Denmark. Harold denied his request, and Swain then assembled his men and told Harold he was going on a raid, but in reality, he was preparing a takeover. According to the Chronicle of Adam of Bremen, Swain allegedly revolted against Harold due to his pagan beliefs and couldn't stand by the Christianization of Denmark. He would ally himself with the famous founder of the Jomsvikings Paunatok. The Jomsvikings were a fabled mercenary order, and would be powerful allies for Prince Swain. Regardless, according to the Jomsvikings saga, Swain and his father Harold Bluetooth would argue regularly, as Swain would constantly ask his father for ships. According to the saga, Harold reluctantly gave Swain more men and ships and Swain would then return to his foster father Palnatoke at Jomsborg. Swain then set fire to the countryside of Denmark, beginning his revolt by the sword. It wasn't long until King Harald had finally had enough of his son, and he would personally lead an army in search of Swain. Harald would soon find his son's forces, and an unnamed battle on the water would soon commence, with father and son fighting it out for the crown of Denmark. The battle, however, would have no clear victor. Swain's foster father Palnatok, the chief of the Joms Vikings, would arrive with his Viking mercenaries in the evening. Palnatoke then went ashore alone, taking his bow and quiver. Night had already fallen, and in a distance, he saw a fire in a forest and made a detour towards it. He recognised King Harald's face in the distance. He then put an arrow in him, killing him. One arrow was all it took to end the life of a mighty king. After this, Palnatoke went back to his ship. In the morning, it became common knowledge that the king was dead. Palnatoke would then meet up with Swain, and their combined forces would meet the royal fleet by the river. Palnatoke then said to the men of the royal fleet, ''You have two alternatives to fight us.'' or accept Swain as king. Palnatoke and Swain then summoned an assembly, and Swain would be crowned the King of Denmark in the year 986, at the age of 23. Swain would soon hold a feast in honour of his father Harold Bluetooth, and Palnatoke would attend, and King Swain would greet his old foster father. However, someone whispered in Swain's ear, and the king's page then approached Palnatok holding an arrow, and Swain asked if the arrow belonged to Palnatok. Swain asked him, when did you last part with this arrow? Palnatoke then replied, my foster son, I parted with it when I shot your father. Swain enraged, immediately ordered that Palnatok be killed along with all of his men. Palnatoke drew his sword and cut the man in two that had originally whispered in Swain's ear. Palnatok and his Jomsvikings fought their way through the hall, and as the corpses piled up, Swain's men became apprehensive to attack Palnatok. Palnatok then sailed back to Jomsborg. However, Swain and his foster father may have later had a reconciliation, as Swain would foster his own son Canute at Jomsborg years later. During the 990s, Swain conducted many raids in England. The raids had such an effect on England that the English nobles agreed to pay tribute to Swain. This tribute or payment was known as Dangeld, and it was basically protection money from the Vikings themselves. Swain would also take place in the Battle of Svolder. He and his allies would battle with the King of Norway, Olaf Tryggvason, in the year 1000, the Jomsvikings allied themselves with King Olaf Tryggvason of Norway. This would soon culminate in the Battle of Svolder, which was said to be the greatest naval engagement of the early Middle Ages. The pagans in Olaf's army would be killed if they refused to convert to Christianity. Little did he know that by this he sowed the seeds of his own destruction. Sigvaldi, the current chief of the Jomsvikings, betrayed King Olaf and told him rumours of a fake planned ambush. He then lured him into a real ambush in the Baltic Sea, and the Joms Vikings and Swain's forces and allies then slaughtered Olaf's men. Burning arrows streaked the skies like thousands of meteors, smashing into Olaf's fleet. Finally, Swain and Sigvaldi's ships would smash into King Olaf's famous boat called the Long Serpent hand-to-hand combat would now begin, and it was a massacre. King Olaf soon realised all his men were dying, and that all hope was lost. He would then commit suicide by jumping into the sea whilst fully armoured. Swain laughed at this, as the fanatical king had just damned himself to hell. Due to the arrival of the great heathen army in England, and over a century of raids, the north of England was now known as the Danelaw, and had an immense Norse influence. However, King Æthelred the Unready of England would soon order the extermination of all Danes. This would be known as the St Day Massacre, which took place in the year 1002. The massacre was even justified in a royal charter. The charter even stated, The Danes who have sprung up on this island are to be destroyed by a most just extermination. After the massacre took place, Swain would raid and ravage England from the years 1002 to 1012. This would eventually result in him launching a full-scale invasion on England, with his ultimate goal being the death of King Ethelred the Unready, and him taking the English crown by right of conquest. He would set sail for England and according to the Anglo-Saxon chronicle, this is what transpired. Before the month of August, King Swain came with his fleet to Sandwich, and very soon went about East Anglia into the Humber Mouth, and so upward along the Trent, until he came to Gainsborough, then soon submitted to him Earl Uhtred, and all of the Northumbrians, and all of the people of Lindsay, and afterwards, the people of the five boroughs. After, he came over to Watling Street, and then he went to Oxford, and the town dwellers soon bowed to him, and gave him hostages. From there, they went to Winchester, and the people did the same, and then eastward to London. Once Swain and his army arrived in London, they began to besiege the city. all the Tall, the now chief of the Yom's Vikings, had defected to King Ethelred's side and acted as one of his generals defending the city. Swain was cunning though, and decided to abandon the siege of London and take the rest of the country. He travelled to Bath, where he received the submission of the Western thanes. His army was now massive, as many of the lords and eldermen of England had pledged their men to his cause out of fear. Once word reached London, they too surrendered, knowing their fight and resistance was hopeless. Æthelred went into exile, as staying in England would no doubt have resulted in his death. Swain had just taken the whole of England, and was now its king by right of conquest. By the end of the year 1013, Swain was at the height of his power, being the ruler of Norway the King of Denmark, and the King of England. However, by February, in the year 1014, he would suddenly die, leaving his son Canute to fight for the English crown. Canute would make it his life mission to re-establish his father's North Sea Empire. Swain did what his forebears could not. He conquered England, something which the Great Heathen Army failed in, and he became the first Viking king of the whole country, taking it by right of conquest. When Canute was just a boy, he heard a story of the St. Brice's Day Massacre. King Ethelred of England ordered the extermination of all Danes in his land, which led to the death of his aunt Gunhild, and her husband Palig, and countless others. His father Swain Forkbeard was overcome with grief, And would personally lead raids against England frequently. Canute's father was rash, bold, and a fearless warrior, but he wasn't there for the boy, as he was always away fighting. So how would Canute be forged into one of the greatest kings Scandinavia has ever seen? This is his story. First, let's look at his early life. We don't have an exact date as to when Canute was born, but it is widely believed he was born in the year 990. He came from a legendary bloodline, with his great 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 grandfather being Sigurd Snake in the eye, the mythic Viking warrior and Danish king, who was the son of Ragnar Lothbrok. Canute was a Christian like his grandfather Harold Bluetooth, but with his father always being away, how would he learn what it meant to be a man and a warrior? According to a 13th century book called the Flatterjabuk, Canute was personally tutored in the art of war by Thorkul the Tool. In order for this to happen, Canute was sent to Jomsborg, to the castle of the fabled Jomsviking Order. Thorkel the Tool would teach a young Canute the way of the sword, the axe, and how to kill a man. Growing up, Canute admired Thorkul, for he was everything he wanted to be. Strong, respected, and feared, and Canute would not forget the Lord Thorkel, for he owed him much. Knut's training by Thorkel and the Jomsvikings Vikings was so intense that he would be ready for battle in his teens. In the Knut's Drapa, an old Norse poem, it states that Canute was of no great age when he first went to war, but barely anything is known of Canute's early years, apart from his tutorage in Yomsborg. In the year 1012, Canute's old tutor, Lord Thorkel, was now the leader of the Yom's Vikings, and he led a Viking invasion into England with his men. The Yom's Vikings caused such devastation and disruption in England, it gave Canute's father King Swain the opportunity to finally finish what he started, and that was to kill King Ethelred or take his crown. But on this raid, Swain would finally take his son Prince Canute with him. By the year 1013, Swain and Canute led a full-scale invasion on England, and they would sail with hundreds of ships, ready to take the throne and avenge the extermination of Danes ordered by King Ethelred years before. When Canute arrived in England with his father, they together quickly overran all of Northumbria and made their way to London. Conquering London would prove difficult, however, due to Thorkell the Tall defecting to King Æthelred's side after abandoning his individual raids in England. He became one of Æthelred's generals, and he would personally hold London against the forces of Canute and Swain. Nonetheless, Thorkell's resistance was in vain. He knew that he could not hold the city, due to the overwhelming might of Swain and Canute's forces. After all of the Lords of England had finally submitted to Swain, the Londoners opened the gates to his men, and on Christmas Day in the year 1013, Swain was declared as the King of England. Only five weeks after his ascent however, he would die at the age of 50. Swain did not have the time to organise his vast new kingdom, and his sudden death would leave England in chaos. Canute's brother Harold would succeed Swain as the King of Denmark, but upon Swain's death, the Vikings and the common people of the Danelaw would cry out for Canute to be crowned as the King of England. The Witten, however, who were the King's council composed of the Anglo Saxon nobility, quickly sent word to Normandy to recall Æthelred from his exile. King Æthelred, with the support from the Witten, quickly mustered up a force of loyalists. Ethelred's son at this time was a notable warrior, said to be one of the finest swordsmen in all England, and he would become known to history as Edmund Ironside. He would lead his father's army in a surprise attack against Canute's forces, which led to Canute fleeing across the North Sea. Canute was now at his lowest point. He had lost his father lost his newly acquired lands, which he had bled for, and he was no king. Canute went to his brother Harold, and managed to muster up more men for a new campaign in England, as he wasn't going to let all of his father's achievements amount to nothing. So in the summer of the year 1015, Canute's fleet set sail for England with an immense army. But what Canute faced wouldn't be the bowing and submission of lords, but grisly, bloody warfare. It is said that the battles to come were of an intensity that had not been seen since the days of Alfred the Great. In early September, Canute would arrive in Sandwich. He then sailed around Kent to Wessex and began his campaign, but in order to win, rivers of blood would need to stain the English soil he wished to rule. Edric Striona, the elderman of Mercia, deserted King Ethelred, and he and his men joined Canute's forces. Canute's old mentor, the man that taught him to fight and be a man, Lord Thorkel, the commander of the Yom's Vikings, also defected to his side and abandoned King Ethelred. Due to their history together and the legend of Thorkel and his men, Canute accepted his allegiance even though he had allied himself with King Ethelred of England beforehand. Over the next few months while Canute began his campaign, King Ethelred would die in April of 1016, leaving his son Edmund Ironside to take up the defences of the country, and he was reputed to be one of the finest warriors in the country, soon enough after many assaults, raids and massacres. The famed Edmund Ironside and Canute would face each other head-on. In the hills of Sherston, on June the 25th, the Danish and English armies would clash. Thorkell the Tall would summon his Yom's Vikings from their forty ships, and would face the enemy in the front line to prove his loyalty to Canute. As the battle raged on, the deaths were piling up. The battle was fierce and Thorkel and his Jomsvikings would fight with such ferociousness that no man could face them, vanquishing all Englishmen in their path. But Edmund Ironside, the warrior prince, would also fight amazingly, cutting down many Danish troops, and inspiring his men to fight on. Canute would also be in the thick of the fighting, and would fight with a trance-like fury. But once the blood rage wore off the leaders of the armies, Canute and Edmund saw the amount of death and bloodshed and eventually called the battle off. Neither side won that day. There was no celebration that night, for the deaths on both sides were too many to count. Later that year, on October the 16th in the year 1016, a decisive battle would take place that would decide the fate of England. The Battle of Assendon would take place in Essex, where Canute and Thorkell would face off once again against Edmund Ironside. During the battle, the English and Danish armies fought valiantly, but Edric Striona the Elderman of Mercia again betrayed Edmund Ironside, and abandoned the battle amidst the carnage, allowing the Vikings to break through the English lines and annihilate Edmund's forces. Edmund would then flee and Canute and his army would pursue. However, the two leaders would eventually meet to negotiate terms. The Vikings and Canute had such respect for Edmund as a warrior that they allowed him to rule Wessex while Canute ruled the rest of the country, until one of their deaths, in which the survivor would take the whole country. Thorkell, the lord of the Yom's Vikings, would be made into the Jarl of East Anglia for his help and fighting prowess against the English. But Edmund Ironside would soon die, either from his wounds in battle, or from being assassinated a few weeks after the pact, leaving Canute to rule the whole of England. The Witan, the Saxon nobility, and all of the Danes now accepted Canute as their king. He was crowned in London in the year 1017. Canute was clever as well as being a warrior. He quickly killed off anyone he thought could question his rule or grow to oppose him. He would kill Ethelred's son, and would exile Edmund Ironside's infant sons. Edric Striona, the Elderman of Mercia, would soon grow arrogant, and proclaimed that without his desertion, Canute would not have been able to claim the English throne. Canute replied, A man who betrayed one master is likely to do the same to another. While arguing with the king, Edric was decapitated with a battle axe by Eric of Northumbria, who no doubt hated Edric due to his constant treachery. Edric's head was then placed on a spike on London Bridge. A year later in the year 1018, Canute's brother Harald died. Canute would quickly sail to Denmark to seize the crown, and that he did. With his hold on the Danish crown now being stable, he went back to England in the year 1021. Thorkel would fall out of favour with the king, but the past had made Canute a man of mercy on this occasion, and Thorkel was outlawed instead of being killed. The Norwegian king Olaf Haraldsson would take advantage of Canute residing in England, and he began to launch attacks on Canute's Kingdom of Denmark. Word would quickly reach Canute that Norwegian forces were ravaging his lands in Denmark, so he set sail for his homeland, at the head of an army. Canute's army was absolutely monstrous. He had around 600 ships, and his own ship was said to be 80 metres long, Canute's army and Olaf Haraldsson's army would soon face off against one another. In a battle known as the Holy River, with an alliance between the kings Olaf Haraldsson and Anud Olafsson, the Swedes and Norwegians were attacked in the mouth of a river by the navy of Canute. The likely date is the year 1026, and the apparent victory left Canute in control of Scandinavia. Olaf was still alive though, and went into exile. He was supported by the Swedish King Anud Jacob, who wanted to weaken Canute's power, and he provided Olaf with 400 fighting men, and guides that could lead Olaf into Norway. However, in the year 1030, Olaf would meet Canute's army, culminating in the Battle of Stickelstad. The battle was fierce, however Canute's army was much larger and amidst the carnage. Olaf himself was killed, receiving three severe wounds, one to the knee, a slash to the neck, and while he was leaning against a stone, he received a mortal wound of a spear being thrust into his belly. After the battle, Canute was crowned the King of Norway. His office was now the King of all England and Denmark, and the King of the Norwegians. During Canute's reign of England, there was an era of peace, as he controlled the forces that would regularly raid the English shores and ravage the lands. Many people believed Canute had divine powers and that he could control the tide, so Canute ordered his throne be placed on the shores and commanded the sea to halt and to not wet his feet. When it did, he turned to his court and said, Let all men know how empty and worthless is the power of kings, for there is none worthy of the name, but he whom heaven, earth, and sea obey by eternal laws. The story about the tides is not about Canute's arrogance, but his humility and submission unto God, showing that even he was only a man and the true authority and power, laid with God. Canute was a devout Christian, who repaired all the churches and monasteries that were looted and ravaged by his army. With his army being largely heathen, he had to tolerate the pagan religion to not alienate his forces. He even went on a pilgrimage to Rome in the year 1027. Canute would die on the 12th of September in the year 1035, aged around 45 years old. His brilliance is what held together the North Sea Empire, and upon his death, it was split, with kings for each country again fighting for control. The medieval historian Norman Cantor called him the most effective king in Anglo-Saxon history. Canute the Great would grow up among all types of men, schemers, warriors, and warmongers. Thorkel forged him into a warrior, and his father Swain forged him into a king. He united his father Swain's North Sea Empire, and even attained a higher level of power, dominating the North Sea for a time. He is now remembered to history as Canute the Great. I hope you all enjoyed the video. If you did, make sure to like, subscribe and share, and I'll see you all soon for another history profile.